Shades of Entrepreneurship, where we interview entrepreneurs to inspire the future entrepreneur. I'll be your host, Mr. Gabriel Flores. So grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. desert southwest of Arizona, spending time with family, cooking, and traveling, and in 2008, decided to blend her love of cooking, nutrition, education, and Mexican culture in open hot mama salsas in an effort to bring the flavors of home to her Portland community. Please welcome the founder of Hot Mama Salsas, Nikki Guerrero. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shades of Entrepreneurship. This is your host, Mr. Gabriel Flores. Today, I'm here with Nikki Guerrero. Nikki, how are we doing? Doing great. I'm excited because we I've actually met Nikki at one of our nonprofit events. Uh, she's one of the local Portland, Oregon entrepreneurs. But we're going to be talking about her company today, Hot Mama Salsa. But before we get into that, Nikki, I would love an opportunity. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Who is Nikki Guerrero? All right. Well, who is Nikki Guerrero today, I guess? I'll, I'll talk about who I am today. There you I go. think I've anybody already. <laughs> Um, so I am a Chicana living in Portland, Oregon, uh, born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm a mama to a 13 year old daughter, uh, named Chavela Rose, and I'm the owner of Hot Mama Salsa. Uh, I'm a great swimmer and water lover, and <laughs> I'm pretty good at, at, uh, balancing flavors and making sauce. I'm also a really big chili pepper fanatic and a big advocate for our local farm and food system. Nice. So I'm going to talk about both of those things, but first let's talk a little bit about what is hot mama salsa. So hot mama salsa is a small handmade sauce company running out of Portland, Oregon. We have four product lines to date. We we started out as a fresh salsa company, and we're now also making hot sauce, Mexican-style chili oil, and the best corn tortilla chips around. The best, folks. I'm telling you, these things have been flying off the shelves locally. I am not lying at all. Now, one of the things you kind of mentioned, too, as part of your business, is you kind of really work with the local Oregon um, farmers. Why is that so important to you? So, well, it's really part of the the hot mama salsa origin story. Um, and I, I'm just very community minded and small business minded. And it enables us to kind of create a full circle system and keep our dollars in our local com- economy. Um, so I should, I guess I'll back up to when I came to Oregon. So I moved to, to Portland in 1999. I was working as a commercial photographer at the time. And um, I couldn't find my food. I searched high and low. I was on a trek for two years to, to try out every taqueria I could in town looking for green corn tamales. And they still don't exist here. But <laughs> but um, I really miss my food. And I, and I knew that uh, maybe the people of Portland would like to try it. 
And I had a girlfriend who owned a little produce company, a little grocery store locally. She was also from Arizona and was always telling me to make salsa for the for the store. And um, when I started Hot Mama Salsa, I couldn't find the ingredients I wanted to use. You know, it was still during the time when salsa on the grocery store shelf was one flavor, chunky tomato salsa, three different heat levels, right? So that was not how what I knew salsa was. Salsa was like a different combination, a different chile, a different um, flavor for all these different salsas. And then the heat came with the chile and whatever kind of salsa it was. So I wanted to find guajillos and chili de arbols and that wasn't here. And um, so I, I met in my, I think, second year of business, I met a farmer who was who had just come back to Portland, his family owned this fellow piece of land on Savi Island that hadn't been used for like 20 years. And he came back and was going to farm heirloom melons. And I said, well, what about chili peppers? Do you like red chili peppers? And he goes, oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if it's hot enough. I told him the chilies I wanted, which were, were a lot of Mexican chilies. I don't know. It's, I don't know if it's hot enough. But he went ahead and planted all the ones I asked for just to see and didn't tell me. And it turns out Savi Island was a great place to grow peppers. And he became a huge pepperhead. And we just took off running for the next like three or four years. We were trying to all these different chilies we could get our hands on growing them testing them in the fields and both of us just got a huge education and um i think that kind of spurred my love of like being on the farm and knowing where exactly your food's coming from and then i really saw the benefit of my company being able to support his company you know and his company being able to support my company so that's kind of how it's how that kind of philosophy started so, you know, you mentioned you get in your own education with the farmer. Why don't you go ahead and educate the listeners a little bit? Tell us a little bit about the different kind of peppers there are, because it seems like there's a lot. Oh, my God. It's it's countless. And and it, I mean, there, you, I don't think you could ever get a full education. But you know what is fascinating about Chile's is you can learn the history of the world through them. You know, they I mean, they've just traveled the world and really been the basis for a lot of different kind of cuisines. Um, so we have a lot of chiles that are native to the Americas. Um, and then we have chiles that are native to like South and Central America. Those are usually called the ajis. And usually those are more of like a, have a fruity floral profile. Um, you know, of course, there's chiles native to Asia and India. So there's just so much variety, so many different flavors, so much depth of flavor. And then you have the Mexican chiles that have three different names, depending what <laughs> the chiles are. And it's a different name if it's fresh, it's a different name if it's dried, a different name if it's smoked, you know. So essentially you get three chiles out of one chili. Now, now is this your first business, Hot Mama Salsa? No, it is not. I think that my first business was called silver tooth jewelry and i used to go down to tosco which is north of mexico city and import i would buy silver jewelry and bring it back to arizona and sell it what yeah <laughs> let, let's talk about your entrepreneurial journey how did how did you get from you know new mexico selling jewelry to hot mama salsas today 
Oh, it was Arizona. Or Arizona. Yeah. Uh, I think I don't like being told what to do. So I always end up <laughs> being my own boss. I think that's really how it happened. But uh, yeah, just I think curious of how to make my own way and do things differently. I think I always was trying not to. Or or maybe not trying not to. I didn't feel like I ever fit into the systems. And so I was trying to find a new way to make my way. So, yes, I ran that business for a few years. And, and I went to um, school to study art. I studied photography. And I love photography as an art practice and worked for many years um, commercially and did have a... a photography business as well but in the end didn't like the competition and the man's world that it was but kind of end up realizing they all are do you feel those uh past experiences has helped you be successful in this current entrepreneur endeavor well no i mean yes in that you know i learned that maybe it is possible to make your own way and do do something you want um, but nothing to the, I mean, I didn't learn anything to the extent I have running hot mama salsa because this is really my foray into, you know, having employees and yeah, working within a whole manufacturing and distribution system. It's a whole another game. You know, you briefly mentioned, you know, coming through different entrepreneurial things, it's kind of a man's world you mentioned, right? Talk about being a Chicano female, the difficulties of that being in corporate America and then being an entrepreneur? Ooh, that's a big question. All right, let's, let's dial it down first to being a Chicana or even just a woman in the hot sauce industry, which is in a real big industry in America and really dominated by white male culture. Interesting. Weirdly enough. Yeah. Weirdly enough, this whole industry based on chiles that come from all over the world, dominated by a white male culture. Um, so, yeah, you don't get taken. I, I, there's been many times I don't get taken seriously. People like to say, oh, you're the little mama, you know, like derogatory things to like make sure you know you're not being taken seriously. Things like that. Um, that happens a lot. Oh, did your, you know. Does do you have a partner who makes this for you? You know, never like never right off the bat considering. Oh, wow! Kind of the the cultural history of Chile's and cooking is is a woman's, you know, history. But so it's discounted a lot, and I think, you know, I have never worked in the corporate world, and now. I do a lot of volunteer work and I've had some kind of access to the corporate world and it's been really interesting. Um, you know, I guess I just intuitively knew I didn't fit in that realm, but it's been, it's been pretty interesting getting access to that realm and kind of looking at it like from a Chicana thinking like culturally, like what are our beliefs around money that really don't translate to this? like white cultural world and seeing how directly it corresponds to access that people have for getting loans or even believing like 
how you can run a business. I mean, when I started this business and to this day, I still run this business as, you know, bootstrapping, like if we can afford it, we do it. I, in my wildest dreams could never imagine, oh, the first thing you do to start a business is go raise a whole bunch of money. Like I'd never heard of that concept until I got further along this route, right? So I lost my train of thought where I'm going with this. Oh, and then it's also been really interesting too. Um, I I really am interested in equity work and have done a lot of it. And so therefore, you know, sometimes get pulled in. I'm like, okay, why, why am I getting asked to do this uh, committee or, or this advisory thing? Oh, then I get in the room. Oh, they needed someone brown. So it's an honor to be in that space, but then it's also like a disappointment that you're the only one. I, I completely agree. You know, I work in healthcare and that's one of the things we discuss often. It's, you know, Cesar Chavez used to say nothing about us without us, you know, and, and essentially what he means is, is when you, when you go around these corporate tables and we look around the table and there's nobody that looks like us around the table making decisions for us. Uh, it's very difficult for us to continue to follow along. Like we, we need people like you. We need Nikki out there to be in those positions because you seem to be in the position of, you know, some of us that don't have that opportunity. And I think it's important to see a lot more Latinos and Chicanos, Mexican-Americans, people of color, right, uh, our underserved community in these positions to be able to provide their lens uh, because everybody's route uh, is different. Right. We, we all get to this differently. Now, speaking of routes, what has been difficult? Um, you know, you mentioned this is kind of the food industry is relatively new. What has been difficult about starting Hot Mama Salsa? Well, I love that question because I, I think that we get so hung up on established routes, you know, that that we don't realize that there can be other routes and I entered this industry knowing nothing about the food business. And it was at a time when there weren't a lot of, you know, in Portland, we're so lucky in this, actually our whole region, we're so lucky. We have a lot of business development groups here now, and that people have a lot of access to business education. But at the time I started, that wasn't true. And so I just tried to figure things out on my own. Um, and then once I'd been running the business for about, maybe four, five years, I started really learning about the industry. And I realized, oh, there, there is a prescribed route that most people take when they're operating a food business. So the general consensus is you have an idea, you want to produce this product, you raise some money, you get funding, you do testing for the product, you find a co-packer that will then make the product for you, you find a distributor who will take you on, and then you do the sales to get in the stores that the distributor will land you, deliver you into. And um, I think if I would have known that before I started a food business, I would have said, oh, maybe this isn't a business I want to get in because I wanted to make the food. I wanted to be on the farm, work with the farmer. I wanted to sell the food to my customer, you know, so we were do we, and we still do farmer's markets, huge part of our business because that's the connection we want. Like that's the community connection that's important and kind of what makes hot mama salsa what it is. And that's what I started it as. It's like bringing salsa to my new community. I wanted to share that 
like family food, those recipes that I grew up on and love so much. And I still want to connect with those customers. So it's like intentional what we're making food for them, right? What do they want? But, um, but as far as like prescribed routes, you know, it's very hard to, to have a food business when the route is designed for big business. So the distribution models are all designed to only work with big business. Most of the grocery models, now we're really lucky here to have a lot of specialty markets that do want to promote local, which, you know, I think in other places it wouldn't be so easy, but but it's really hard to to be able to run a small or medium-sized food business in that industry. So you really have to find ways to make things work outside of that prescribed route. And and I'm Hamama Salsa is is uh just turning 15 years old. Congratulations. So I, I feel like with that accomplishment, thank you, that I can now say, okay. I have figured out how to run a small food manufacturing business. Like it's been 15 years. I can pay myself. I pay the employees. We're always, you know, slowly growing. So I would, I would love to be able to share that and just help other people know that there are other routes and you can figure out what you want to do for your business. And it doesn't have to be the norm or the established route. That, that is a very, very great point. You know, you mentioned a few different things. <clears throat> you mentioned, you know, a funding, venture capitalist funding. You also mentioned grassroots. How did you go about starting your business? Did you go about it a grassroots effort or did you go with uh, funding? Oh, no, I never took any funding until I built my first kitchen and I took out a, a loan to buy equipment. Love it. Um, yeah, so I just did it grassroots. I think I borrowed like $5,000 from my parents. That is incredible. And folks, I hope you guys are listening to this. Success doesn't happen overnight, right? Nikki's mentioned she's 15 years in the game and feels she's finally at it, right? And finally very good at it to the point she's paying herself and employees. Uh, success doesn't happen overnight. So I know I know we see a lot of those social media channels that looks like uh, you make a million dollars overnight. That is not true. It's a lot of work. And a lot of things go into it. Uh, and, and, you know, Nikki, you mentioned a lot about community. Why is community so important to you? Well, let me first say it didn't take 15 years to pay myself. That would be way <laughs> that would be way too long to keep at it. So don't don't take that long, everybody. Fair enough. <laughs> but um, why is community so important? Well, people need people. You know, it's what makes us happy, I and mean, that's why we we people who love making food generally love to make food because we like to make people happy and we're doing it, you know, as a form of love. And, um, and even more so nowadays, I think that community in business is so important because things are getting harder and harder to, to sustain on a smaller level with all the interruptions with supply chains and inflation and employee volatility. Um, you know, I, I, kind of see the path forward as collaborative collaboration being beneficial to many businesses and sharing resources is invaluable you know we can't go at it alone or we can but it'll take us much longer and be much harder 
I, I can agree. And it's, it's a lonely route. Entrepreneurship as itself, I think is already a lonely route, uh, adding the, adding to that, uh, loneliness too. Now, now you, have you ever had a moment as an entrepreneur of self doubt? Oh, on the daily. <laughs> How do you overcome self doubt? Um, uh, a lot of self-talk mantras, making lists, realizing, you know, that each challenge is a learning opportunity. But yeah, I mean, I'm constantly feeling like I'm swirling in chaos and I don't know what's going to shake out the next day. Now, how do you continue to push yourself forward? What, what continues to motivate you? Well, I love making food. I love um, my staff, like really being able to feel like I can provide a good place for people to work and a company that people believe in is super motivating. Um, and also being able to bring up other women and, and other um, Chicano women. You know, my staff is entirely managed by women. Um, and the majority of my staff are women. And I'll always want to work with women in authority positions because they're just more collaborative in my experience. I like it. Now, what, where is Hot Mama Salsa in five years, 10 years? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked. We're working on uh, a big expansion of our chip line. So right now we're trying to find a new manufacturing space and um and we hope to grow this chip line because people are going bonkers over it. Um and and in this search for manufacturing space, we may have come upon a really big opportunity to to create more than just our manufacturing space and we may may be looking at creating, you know, a manufacturing hub that can be a resource for other small food producers so bigger things to come but you know always furthering the growth of the community and the organic growth of hot mama salsa i mean it's never been the goal to have our products in every grocery store shelf across the country because at a certain point we lose the ability to work with our local farm community and really have manufacturing under our control so want to keep it small enough that we can manage it and, and still be closely connected to it. And I love the, the hub idea, right? Being able to bring in other, you know, entrepreneurs to kind of help scale them as well. That may not have the means to go out and purchase their own building at that time or, or anything of that nature. Now you, you mentioned your, your, your current goal is not to get into every store. But how does, how do you currently get into, how do you market yourself? How do you brand yourself? Who is the typical consumer of Hot Mama Salsa or the chips? Gosh, well, it's really been such a, like a, a grassroots, like community effort for marketing. So I really use like wherever we're public facing as a marketing opportunity. So farmers, like I would, when I first started getting into stores, I would also try and do farmers markets and events like in the area of those stores so that we could cross promote where people could get us year round. I mean, of course we use social media for 
marketing, but we never really have had any professional marketing. So it's been really, really dependent on being connected to community. That I think that kind of goes back to the power of networking. Yep. Power of networking and making good food. You know, if you make people happy, they tell their friends. That's very true. People, I think uh, consumers will tell you really quickly if your product or uh, food or service is good or not. Yeah. And then, and then also, you know, leveraging food industry things that, that you get press for. So like awards, you know, entering contests and things like that is always helpful. Now, what advice would you have for aspiring entrepreneur? So I think my first piece of advice would be really think about what kind of business you want to run and what part of the business you enjoy doing and are good at doing. And then don't hesitate to hire somebody to do the things that you are not good at doing. I like it. You know, I feel like that's a, that's the advice I've been getting a lot. Outsource the things that you're not good at. Yeah. And really think about what is it that you, what kind of business do you want? And realize like you get to make your business. You don't have to make a business that someone else made or that you're told is the right way to do it. You can do what you can. It's your business to run it how you want. You get to run it how you want and you don't have to listen to anybody. I love it. Now, for the folks at home that want to learn more about Nikki, want to learn more about Hot Mama Salsa, where can they find you? What's the internet, uh, social media sites? How can they find you in stores? So we are in um, a grocery in Oregon and Washington, uh, mostly the specialty grocery chains such as um, New Seasons, Whole Foods, Market of Choice, um, PCC Markets, Metropolitan Markets. So look for us in your neighborhood market. Uh, in Portland, look for us at the farmer's markets, of course. Uh, you can find us online at hotmamasalsa.com and uh, also on Instagram and Facebook at hotmamasalsa.com or just at hotmamasalsa. I love it. Hot Mama Salsa, Nikki Guerrero, thank you so much for coming on. I'm really excited. Uh, I'm going to actually have to get some more of those chips. I actually had a bag a couple of weeks ago. I'm gonna, I have not been able to find them at New Seasons. I usually get them over here. Well, no, the- they're not at New Seasons yet. That's that's the hope for by the end of summer. But you'll go, have to go to Zoo Pans for the chips. Zoo Pans. I, I don't know why we didn't think of having you eating chips and salsa ahead of time. <laughs> To have it while you're while you're on the while I'm up there. That might be a little distraction for the listeners. <laughs> at least at the very end, a little crunch at the very end. There you go. In fact, folks, this is a perfect time to plug the newsletter because I will have information about uh, uh, Hot Mama Salsa on the newsletter, so you can go ahead and subscribe by visiting theshadesofe.com. You can also follow us at the Shades of E on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Nikki, do you have any last words you have for our uh, audience for our listeners? Yes, go to your farmer's market, your neighborhood farmer's market. Support your farmers and your local food artisans. When, when are, in fact, when is your next farmer's market? Where will you be? Uh, on Saturday, we'll be at PSU, Hollywood, and Beaverton. And on Sunday, we'll be at King, Milwaukee, and Montevilla. You heard it here first, folks. And do you do those, do, uh, those weekly or, or you're constantly at those farmer's market? 
Yeah, every week we do six. Wow. Wow. Folks, this is the life of the entrepreneur. It never stops. I'm telling you. Nikki, <laughs> no, it's all consuming. Yes, it, Nikki. Nikki Guerrero, so, thank you so much again for being on the show. For those listening, please follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Thank you, and have a great night. Thank you for tuning in to The Shades of Entrepreneurship. For more information, please follow The Shades of E on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or visit theshadesofe.com.